0: Good morning, Rock Bible Church. That was pretty good. Didn't weren't you guys just singing? You, you it was a loud crowd. I would just heard singing all these great worship songs, but then I come up here. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Mm. Mm. Turned into zombies. <clears throat> good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good morning. Still anybody still recovering? I feel like I'm still at the at the taco dinner last night, just having. Such a great time! So many uh, great people. Um, you know, you know what stood out to me last night was the smiles—just people smiling, laughing, having a good old time—and uh, and then we raised some uh, great amount of funds. I believe we're over eleven thousand, something like that. So, um, and I won some cupcakes. So there you go. One guy, one guy just outright wrote a check. Not, not to attend, not to get a item. He just wrote a check, Um, and so I'm just super thankful and want us to be mindful that uh, when we do things, especially as a church body, it's complicated. There's many pieces, moving parts, and a lot of a lot of ways to be involved. So I'm I'm thankful and grateful for that. uh Brett made a uh, announcement about these little wristband things I, I would hope that you would take one of these and use it as a way to remind you to pray for this I was kind of struck last night I had a moment where you know there's people everywhere but you're alone right and I was looking at the screen in the clubhouse and they were showing uh, videos of past builds and people on work sites and the and families and I, I had a just a quick little moment where I started to lose it. I pulled it together and went and bid on stuff. But um, it was it was a reminder, you know, there's families God's preparing for us to go see in a few months, and then a few months after that we're gonna see another family. And, um, you know, who, who knows their condition right now, or what they're living in. We're about to go through the winter season, and we'll see them after that in the spring when everything's happy, and we'll come down there with our donation money and such and joke about tacos and the whole thing, but it, it is a reminder of why, who we are and why we exist. We're Rock Bible Church, Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, be in a community that serves a greater community. Amen? Felt that last night, feeling it today. I'm a little, little weird today. A little emotional, maybe. I don't know. Uh, very excited. But I want to help some of you that uh, were not involved last night. Uh, it slipped the mind, or you didn't feel like you had the money to bid on anything, or whatever. And you, you're just, you have soul crushing guilt right now uh, that you weren't involved. <laughs> the, grab something off that uh, cactus thing or come talk to us. Find other ways that you can uh, help and be involved. I mean, even a, a couple hours helping us load the vans when we leave. There's other things you could do to be involved, and we would love to, for this to be a, a full family event, uh, even the ones that are staying home to take care of important things. Amen? All right. Uh, let's get jumping. Uh, I will say before we do that, I just, um, you know, shameless commercial, uh, we had our highest attendance at men's Monday night group, Monday. Uh, 18 guys, um, so Doug's going to buy another backyard. <laughs> so, no, uh, so it, it was really pr- pretty great. So if you're interested in that, come come see us, and we'll we'll get you involved. Um, Romans chapter 11. We're we're going to finish up uh, chapter 11. We got 12 verses this morning, and um, something kind of new for this book a little bit. we um, we're, we're going to. Build on a concept we we hit last week, and this whole idea of does God cause us to stumble? We're gonna we're gonna hit that not to fall, but to stumble. He does. We're gonna get into that in just a minute. Let's pray um, and ask the Lord to be over all this. Lord, thanks for why we're here. That's you, and there's many ways to be here, and so worship, to read your word, to have fellowship, to serve, to give, to pray so many different ways. I ask that you would draw us into that, especially this passage this morning as we are about to read and may it clarify a little more for us who you are, who we are, and how we fit together. Bless this time Lord, thanks for last night, what's coming in our future. Uh, thanks for Christmas on a Sunday this year. All the different opportunities, may we, may we view them as special. And may we see the people that are involved in them. Pray all this this morning in your son's name, amen? Amen. Romans chapter 11, here we go, 25 through 36 I thought that's only eleven verses. You said twelve, Scott. Yeah, but you got to count twenty-five before you add the eleven to get to thirty-six. Right? Um, Paul's been uh, talking about how uh, people can make mistakes and still get in. Great news. That's the Cliff Notes version. Okay, if you're just catching up to us and you haven't watched online and you've been gone for a little bit and spent time helping grandma move or whatever it was. And you're just joining us. uh, Paul's making the argument that everybody has a shot to get in. And maybe uh, Israel has messed up some things in their past. Yet, God says he keeps a remnant. He's got a covenant that he's keeping. And that's great news for us. um, Because we're not even Israelites. Yet, if he's a God who lets us make mistakes... And still get back in, then what do we want to focus on? We want to focus on the mistakes, or the getting back in, or getting back with him. And Paul's going to make some great arguments as to, well, the first one's okay, the second one's better, but getting back with him is the most important. So uh, let's jump in. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, Brothers. He's finishing up kind of the thought of, wait, just don't, don't think that uh, Israel's on the out, and so now the Gentiles are in, which that would be us, and so we are better than them, right? It's not a status thing. It's a season of life. They went through a season. You're going to go through your season. Don't get wise, right? I love this phrase, lest you be wise in your own sight. That sounds very familiar, to my whole growing up, because my dad, so my sense of humor, okay, such as it is, <laughs> we can, we can blame dad for that highly, mom, some, but dad was definitely the, let's, let's uh, lighten it up a little, especially wasn't it was intense, something went really wrong, and he would kind of, he had a way of coming in and Keeping the severity and realizing the seriousness of what's going on, but kind of drop it down a notch, and and, and you know, kind of like give me a little pat on the head. Hey, what, what were you thinking? I mean, that was cute, nice try, but right. And then this phrase he would use on me all the time that I love. Don't get wise, bubble eyes. Okay, so Dad raised you too. All right, good. Um, he don't get wise, bubble eyes, knock you down to peanut size. Understand, rubber band. I, I that rhyme is still in my head. And he thought it was the funniest thing. He learned it as a kid, and he would use that, and it became this like code for oh, I did something wrong, and I need to reset. I need to ask forgiveness, make it right, fix it, try again, something. And he would usually laugh a little bit about it or I'd ask him a question that was nonsense because kids do that from time to time right and his response (laughs) was, don't don't get wise bubble eyes you know and um, unfortunately for me I, I guess I'm the only one on the planet who gets wise in his own eyes right no one else suffers from that no one ever gets off track oh wait no that's the opposite of that uh, we tend to come up with ideas yeah and we and we take those ideas and we run with them and we play them out and at times we need a dad to walk in and say hey 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 what you think you're doing right now yeah wisdom is far from that there's no wise in there right um it's it's I have to make a current reference and a spoiler alert um, the new prequel to the Lord of the Rings movies, which we we feel okay promoting a little bit because they were written by a Christian with Christian thought and themes throughout, right? Well, he's long gone. They've written a prequel now, eight uh, episodes, and it's on one of the streaming services who doesn't pay us anything, so we're not going to give them a free commercial. Um, but we, I've been watching these. And things, you know, in any show, there's a conflict, and then there's some heroes and some bad guys, and then there's some kind of resolution. And when the bad stuff happens, uh, in any good show, right, who shows up? The good guys, right? The ones with the wisdom show up and start to solve, resolve. Uh, And that's that's what we need. We need God to play that role in our lives in the midst of whatever conflicts are, are coming up, especially if there are little arguments about who's better than who, right? Don't do that. He says, it's a mystery too. What's this mystery? A partial hardening has come upon Israel. A partial hardening. Now, is that that like a clean, antiseptic way to say God has caused a partial hardening on Israel? Because that's how I read it. And that that drags me to a question then. Does God cause hardening? We asked that question a couple weeks ago. Does God cause us to stumble? Uh, I've come up with the answer, yes. I'm hoping that you'll uh, go along with that too because it's hard to get through things like Noah and Job and David and any of the characters, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or all their kids, all the way down to Peter. What do you like about that phrase there though? Hey, we got this mystery, don't be wise in your own, know, but the partial hardening has come upon Israel. Eh, Israel's not even us. What do you like this beca- about this? Because This is a statement a lot about God. I have a favorite word in there partial. Partial. Now, I hate partial when it comes to like snow cones or pizza or spaghetti. I don't want partial. I want whole. I want as much as possible, right? But if we're talking about rough stuff, tough times, conflict, pain, tragedy, whatever, can can we just do partial, can I just have a taste of it just so I know the essence and then help motivate me to move on to next? When you get a warning sign in your car, what's that about? Have you ever known anybody like in your immediate family who decided to ignore The warning light in the car that was also beeping, yeah, no more car. That happened. We won't tell that story to protect the identity of the guilty. Uh, Sometimes God does things to us to get our attention. He, He buzzes us a little, flashes something at us, beep, beep, right? Um, we had a story uh, like that this week you know cars have backup cameras now so you can see where you're backing up how do you still back into something that's stationary yeah yeah um, just warning never have a preacher for a pastor or for a dad because then your stories get told right now I'm not going to give any names But it's one of the kids. (laughs) Okay. Um, This partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. This is kind of interesting. Remember, you're on the outs. Someone else is going through something difficult, but you're on the outs. You're not even uh, in the clan yet, the group. Are you a member yet? He's basically saying, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna try to understand and sympathize with them, because you gotta work on you. So how about rather than uh, focusing on them, worrying about them, how about you figure out how you get f- a fullness? Because you can be fully out, or you can be fully in. Partial's only for hardening and stumbling. That's the only time we do p- partial." And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. Wait, wait wait a minute. All of Israel will be saved. Wait, I thought some, it said just a chapter ago, some will not because they choose not. Children of a promise, they think it's children of a lineage, children of obedience, and we follow the law. And those that do that, they're not getting in. How, how is this? Um, This is a statement about God. He's saying the people of Israel that are going to follow, that do want in, how many get in? They get all of them in. And then watch this. As it is written, we're quoting um, Isaiah, I believe, uh, 59. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Uh, Jacob, for those of us who are forgetting a little bit of the cliff notes in the back of their head, Jacob is the one that gets renamed... Israel. Jacob's the one who wrestles with, I would say, God. Some passages say an angel or heavenly being, whatever. Um, I think he wrestled with Jesus. And he says, and God's going to come down and he's going to banish ungodliness from Jacob. He's going to make it so that only pure and holy is possible. That's interesting. Like, is, is he taking Israel's choice away? Love the idea that God is saying, I guarantee your salvation. Can he guarantee our salvation? Can he keep me from making choices that are ungodly, put me on the wrong track? He says he's going to do it with a whole nation, a whole lineage of people, a whole ethnicity. Let's um, go next two lines of this. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Oh, now we know how he's going to do it. All right, we're at church. I'm going to ask a question. Any guesses on how he's going to do this? Jesus, right? I mean, this is what we talk about at Easter and the joy of the gift of Christmas is that God is coming and solving our biggest problem. I would say maybe our only problem—we're sinful. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God, He says, "Yeah, I'm going to fix that." Now, did you say we're going to fix it, do we? I mean, if you if you were uh, lacking attendance at the fundraiser last night, is that it? You, like you 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 got to check, an X mark, and now you're out. That's it. There's no attendance. We're not keeping score. Well, let me rephrase. We're keeping a different kind of score. Because watch what he says. This will be the covenant. Your covenant. There's a, maybe one of your most favorite words is right there. When God says, my. Covenant is mine. Mine. You can't change it. You can't stop it. You can't uh, hope to even contain it. Right? It's better than Michael Jordan. Right? Can you stop him? No, you can only hope to contain him. Guess what? You can't even do that with God. He says, This is what I am doing, and chalk it up as already happened. This is the way God speaks of future when he says covenant. It will happen. Now, said that a long time ago did it happen right i just asked the question you all said jesus it happened right did he keep his covenant absolutely remember paul's writing to the romans post facto after it's all over and realizing oh let's put the pieces together and see what this picture this puzzle really looks like why is that great news for us um, it's great news because I can only get a partial hardening and I want to be partially hardened as much as possible. No no this is good news of for us because of the God that we still interact with, alive and well, fully engaged, right? Oslan's on the loose, they would say in Narnia, right? The wizards uh, Gandalf's back you know, kind of thing. Uh, Verse 28. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Wait, this is getting confusing, Scott. Are we chosen into salvation or is it a forefathers thing? My great granddaddy went fishing with the right other people and so now we're okay. What would which one of these two is it say both god gets to choose however he wants to keep his covenant and in his covenant at the end of that equation what's the word he uses all and mine he says yeah i made a deal with israel why so they could be special No, so God could prove how special He is in the midst of their great iniquity. i just like to say it that way. All right? Um, Which means great things for you because regardless of the soul-crushing guilt that you have about things, who wants you? Who'll bring you back in? Who can elect you? Or say, well, I liked your forefather, so I'm going to prove to everybody who I am by fixing up you as a catastrophic mess. And this is a biography, I think, of me. I relate to this. I I can think of so many ways that I have gone and could go the wrong direction. And yet God steps in and pushes me the right way says, yeah, I had your dad teach you that phrase so that it would sink in your head. And over time, all these things are going to fit together and maybe you'll do something worth something. 29, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. All together now. This is the interactive portion of the morning. Ready? Verse 29. For the gifts and the. Oh, no, we're starting over. We're starting over. Okay. Now, you people at home watching on your TV, you know, I don't know if you're sick or you're traveling, whatever, no excuses. You're saying this out loud too. All right. If you're going to participate in this place, then you got to once in a while do the interactive portion of the morning. Okay. I'm going to read the end of 28 just as a cadence so you can jump in, okay? Our beloved for the sake of their forefathers. 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I love, I think because I understand when he says my covenant, I love that. I think I'm beginning to understand that. The way he says I'm taking certain things and they're non negotiable and they're good no matter what. I love that concept. Then the little boy side of me says, Great, what does that mean? How do I do it? And so I put on your outline under uh, Romans chapter 11, 26, 25 through 36, gifting and calling. What we're talking about this morning. And then I put that verse for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If he says, My covenant, and that's set without question, what that means for me is he, have a, he has an agenda. Have you run into God's agenda? Or has God's agenda like run you over? before that's usually how it happens for me i know once in a while i step into a sunny meadow with lights of flowers and stuff and butterflies and oh i walked into god's agenda and, it, and it's gone pretty well usually it's like did anybody get the license plate on the truck that just hit me what was that it means this the god in his agenda has given you some things. Best know what those are. Best explore those. And I and I wanna I want to give you a freebie. I want to give you some freedom. You know, some in leadership training and personal assessment and self-help kind of stuff. You get your categories and you should find the ones that you're weak at and you should work on those. I want to give you permission and freedom. Find the ones you're good at and do those. Like please, if you're if if making spaghetti sauce doesn't go it just is bad for you, please stop. For those of us who appreciate good spaghetti sauce and make good spaghetti sauce, stop. Well, no, I I need to work on my weaknesses. No. No, you have gifts. For those of you who can fix plumbing, praise God, please do that as much as you can and spend no time on electrical. Okay? Uh, One, I need an electrical guy to do the electrical, and, and what you do as a plumber is tremendous and wonderful. Right? Um... Uh, have you seen somebody in their gifting? Like running full speed. Go to Mexico, watch Jan Ash. Watch Fernando Bongiorno. Watch them just outpace everyone and look back and go, come on, come on what's taking you guys so long? They're in their element. You have that. You have a gifting. You have things that God has blessed you with cultivated to where you, you're better at that than most other people. And you're better at that than many other things. And it's irrevocable? It can't be taken away. Why does He do that? Why, why does He gift you? He owe you Something? Oh, it's about time. I, You know, I've neglected Scott for a while. He's due. Best I, best I pay up. No. Does he need something from you? God needs something from you? He gift you because he needs you for something? No. Think of it as um, you got picked for kickball. Do you, do you remember... Being on the playground, I think in current school settings and recess MP and stuff, they, don't, they no longer pick teams. It's too, um, too sensitive for the thin-skinned and weak of heart who want life to be um, all-inclusive and equal all the time and everybody gets a win and a poster and a ribbon and a trophy. I remember being picked for kickball. Let me rephrase. I remember not being picked for kickball. Do you remember the shortest, smallest kid in school? Here I am. I know some of you are like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Um, You got picked for the team. Given a uniform... Given all the tools you need, and then God says, let's let's go play. I don't see that, Scott. Yes, you do. It's right there. Gifts and the calling. That right there is, let's go play. Wait, uh, I thought he called us to ministry. We, we have to go do the work of the Lord. Okay, grumpy. You can be that elf, dwarf or whatever. I'm going to be happy, right? Snow white and the... You get to pick one of those emotions. I'm going to be happy. You call it work, I'm call it fun. Joy. Stepping into what he's already designed me for. And here's the weird thing. Some of you, I, I've gotten over this. You know, I'm, I just want you to know how good I am. I've gotten over feeling Guilty for what I'm good at and what I enjoy. I, I make no bones, I like spaghetti, and I make spaghetti sauce, and that is just the way it is. And I'm making, making no good excuses. In life, more important things, because spaghetti's not that important. Uh, in real things in life, m- many of you are s- still feeling guilty for pursuing the things you enjoy That you're good at. What? Yeah, I think I'm a little demanding of my kids. I keep trying to talk to them and spend time with them. And uh, no, you're a parent. You're their parent, and, and their toes get a little stepped on because you make suggestions and want to pursue them. And no, pursue them, Bear them in public. Tell my kids that's my job. What if you started enjoying the gifts and the callings of where God's put you and what He's put you with and to say, sweet, let's play. How can I get involved? What can I do? And which of seven dwarfs am I going to be? There's a reason why there's seven different ones. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, he talking about Israel again? No, he's talking to Rome, Romans. They're not Israelites. They speak Greek, right? Just as you, one time disobedient to God, but now have received. Oh, it's cut off. That's it. No, no more. Oh, have received what? What's that word? Mercy. Because of their disobedience, yes, the smart ones around us would call it grace as well. You got in. They were disobedient. And you were disobedient too. But guess what? Everybody has a shot at mercy. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you and them watching it and witnessing it, they also may now receive mercy. It's a whole collective of people trying to run their own direction. And God starts grabbing people and getting their attention and partially hardening them so that He can do something with them and maybe get somebody's attention and we're going to start a little wildfire. We'll call it revival. This is how this works. For God has consigned, there's a concept, consigned. Right? It belongs to some. All to disobedience. <laughs> supposed to be happy Sunday, Scott. We had tacos last night. We raised a bunch of money. Jesus loves us, died for us, paid for our sins, all that kind of stuff. Wait a minute, what's this first? Um, how many are glad that I didn't put this one at the top of the outline? <laughs> right? God has consigned you to disobedience. What? Why would he do He would command us to do something and then make sure that we messed it up? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Great question. And usually some young students will come out and ask this when you're doing youth ministry. Well, if he didn't want them to eat it, why did he put it in the garden? why would you do that i know those of you that are parents have set your kids up a few times right you tell them, hey no cupcakes before dinner and then you set one out on the counter the best one with the brightest frosting and just and then you stand off to the side or whatever now these days we can set up remote cameras and all this kind of stuff right some of you are evil and attached like electric shock to it and the whole thing Just to see if they'll, right? Nobody locks cookie jars. The same concept. Let's say, you you put it out there, you must have wanted me to eat it. Why do we do that? To learn. What is the difference between obedience and disobedience? And who is the God behind both? God has consigned all to disobedience, that He may have mercy on all. When God shows His love for us, and we've been disobedient, it, it starts to make sense. Oh, well, He must really care. This is helpful for me because now books of like Job, Noah, Jonah, those all start to take a little different tint, a little different perspective. Is God watching? I'd say that's the beginning of what He's doing. Is He getting involved? Is He affecting? Is He protecting? Is He providing? Is He dragging back in? Is God constantly with us? That's awesome. I love it. Because in the midst of my soul-crushing guilt and my failures, I want God right next to me. Rather than hiding in the garden, oh no, he's going to find me. No, get over here and fix me. Smack me in the back of the head if that's what I need, but get me back on track because this disobedient thing is it's not worth it. It's no fun. It hurts, and it hurts others. I want to do the mercy thing. Can we, can we do the mercy thing quickly? For God has consigned all to disobedience that all may receive mercy. Verse 33, oh, the depths and riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Is Paul excited right here? Here's what he's excited about. Earlier he said, I want you to understand the mystery. He's excited and talking about the, his riches and his wisdom and his knowledge because the mystery starting to make sense. That there's a bigger plan going on. And yeah, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you have to wait. Somet- all the time you go someone else's way his way. Once in a while, you bump into it in comfort. Most of the time, it knocks you over when you're off balance. But this is Paul's way of saying, how cool, how awesome, how great, brilliant is God in the complexity of his system. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how Inscrutable his ways. in Inscrutable? Can I buy a vowel? <laughs> What's inscrutable? It means you can't screw it up. Inscrutable. Not screw it up. That's the... That's today's definition. You can't argue with it. There's no flaw in the logic. It's inscrutable. It's perfect. The way he does stuff is ah, magnifico. How great is that? Verse 34. For who has known the mind of God? Is that a real question? Or is it a Socratic question? Who has known the mind of God? What's the implied answer? No one. Okay. Or who has been his counselor? Does anybody give God counsel? (laughs) Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? I asked you a little bit earlier. Did he owe you something? It's because I knew that was coming. That verse. I read ahead every week. It's my way of cheating. Um, What's the point of this quote? God's God, and we're not. God has a plan, and we don't. What, what do you mean? I have a plan. I'm going to study this and get this degree. I'm going to work at this type of discipline in this industry, and I'm, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's, that's not a plan. What do you mean? It sounds like a great plan. Especially if I have a decent car, a couple zeros after my salary. It's a great plan. No, it's not a plan. Scott, that's the definition of a plan. How can you say it's not a plan? Because there's only one plan. You have ideas. You're wrong. No one knows the future. Nothing you do is inscrutable. There's one God, one judge, one lawgiver, one plan, who's in control of all things, and He says, "This is My covenant, and anybody can be in My covenant." How do we make plans then? I mean, if they're if they're not real plans because they won't happen, they might happen like that a little differently, but God's going to do them. Then how do we make plans? Gifting and calling. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? What can you go do with it? Well, how do I know that that's the Lord's will for my life and the path that He has set before me? He gifted you with the stuff. (laughs) Made you like it. And then He's opened some doors. Walk through them. Walk through them. Verse 36, last one, for from him, who's him? should be capitalized, shouldn't it? Who's him? Uh, who's Who's the topic of the whole Bible? God? Okay. For from God and through God, it comes from him and it comes through him. Like he makes it happen. He starts it. He makes it happen. And to God, the end result is for him, are A few important things. Just the stuff that I don't have time for. All things. All things. I don't know why this weirds me out, but I bought something the other day with cash. And the change was exactly $2. Two single paper bills. And I was kind of folding them in half and then folding it into a quarter because then I can stuff it in my pocket or jam it in my wallet. I'm thinking, $2. Like, why do I even keep two? You can't buy anything for $2 anymore, right? And like, this is more in the way than it's worth saving where can I put this so I don't have to deal with this anymore? And I thought, uh, when I walk into church, I'll just stick it in that little offering box. Let them deal with it. And soul-crushing guilt came upon me. Like, is that all I'm giving to God? And, and it, it, it quickly, in an instant, switched out of money or monetary or tithing or any of that kind of stuff. It's like I have something that's kind of a nuisance and I'll just, I'll kind of give that to God and let someone else deal with it and, and then I'm going to go back to my agenda. Carry less around in my pocket that I have to work around to get my keys. I don't have to work around those $2 bills and I'll just... Drop it off to the side. How often do I treat God? I just drop off stuff like He's the side. Messed with me. I think you can tell a little bit. Do I give Him all things? Or just the two bucks that's left over? After I've done my stuff, bought my things, and on my way to my thing, and it's like, here's a little freebie. Go on your way. No. From him, through him, to him, all things. Every thought, every emotion, every place I go, what I spend, what I say to people. What would that do? How, how I respond to my kids. The person that cuts me off. The lady that yells at me to my face at the soccer field. In all things, from Him, through Him, to Him. Be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Is that a statement or an equation? Ooh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. All right. Let's. let's. It was a rough sermon week. I imagine some of you kind of wonder I don't, what does that even mean? Eh, let's not get into it. It just was a rough sermon week for me. Let's look at the first thing out of this. Um, In our gifting and calling and looking at ourselves rather than others and then focusing on God, we must make ourselves aware of the irrevocable covenant. We have to constantly be reminding ourselves that there's a covenant going on. It's beyond my covenant, my actions, my commitment, how how obedient was i how faithful to the covenant was i this part of what god has done with us and every generation preceding us and until his son returns and we go to heaven he's proving to us that we will never be able to keep the covenant and that was never the agenda the agenda is i will be your god and you will be my people you will follow me poorly and I will love you indefinitely, irrevocably, no matter how bad you think you made it. it's Never bad to him. I want you to think about it that way. Make yourself aware, in the midst of stuff that goes on, make yourself aware that it's not that bad. It's better than you think absolutely maybe even it's fine what what is there that god has yet to be able to fix but what can he fix what can he make good what can he make fun even math homework (laughs) right he can take anything and does take everything and he works it he's spinning on something Irrevocable, what's that mean? It's like that unscrutable word, right? I don't know, Scott, I never used that word on purpose. <laughs> it, it can never be taken away. You can't argue with inscrutable, you can't change or take away irrevocable, right? It's there no matter what. How does it change your actions? And I was thinking, I was reading 29 as like a justification for 27. These verses, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Great, and then what's that mean? 27 becomes even more important. This will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I'll take my son, have him go to the cross, die for you. Why? So I can make sure this is irrevocable. I can prove to you, yet again, in another way, maybe the ultimate way, or maybe the best way, whatever. And I'm going to keep pounding this into your heads until you finally get it. Praise God for pounding us in the head. Make yourself aware of the irrevocable covenant. This, this should change uh, your actions. The way you think about things as you move through your course. I'm going to make it to the end of the course. What condition do I want to be at the end of the course? And so how will it affect what I do in this day with that person, with this resource, whatever? You ever had a weird interaction with somebody and then years later you find yourself working with them? Isn't that weird? That's called partial hardening. Difficult. If you're aware of the irrevocable covenant, every person you interact with becomes a value. I know that's difficult sometimes, especially for me. Uh, number two, uh, disobedience is never final. I think part of what we do at church as we change thinking, we redefine things per biblical value um first and foremost god we define god we explain god we look at god based on biblical understand like biblically based right to to change clarify our thinking i think that's true about other ideas our soul crushing guilt our core values for some of us, our thinking of di- disobedience has to change. Okay, great, you messed up. Where do you want to go from here? Let's stop having it be final. Oh, this defines me. When I was young, I did this, and I'll never get I don't you know. As, as if you're that important, and your one act was so defining, My mom, so I told you my dad gives me a lot of my humor. My mom gives me a lot of my logic. Um, She's a licensed therapist. I think I'll say it that way today. But she used to say, like when I would start spinning on things like that, she'd say, oh, I didn't realize you were so powerful and important. <laughs> and i would think to myself yeah i wait a minute she's being sarcastic get that from mom too right we we have to we have to change our thinking and realize that you're not and never have been so important and central to anything what do you mean? I'm the leader of my family. I, I, birthed those kids. I paid for this. I, I solved this at my. Co- I, I changed the course of you. Humi- and uh, other people helped. Someone else could have done it. You were allowed to be involved. <laughs> it's just not that important. In your own mind, are you important to God? Does He love you unconditionally? Yes, and are there conditions to that love? Yes. He said it's unconditional and conditional. Yeah, yeah, both. You know, one of the things, one of the conditions of his unconditional love is it changes your condition and how you view your own disobedience. It's a small variable in the equation. It becomes a small variable in the equation rather than the defining variable in the equation. That's huge. You told me God could work with anything, fix anything, heal anything. Are you anything? Great news. Disobedience is never final. So, inscrutable resides elsewhere. Wait, Scott, did you just punch us in the face? Did you just stab us in the back? Yeah. Yeah. Inscrutable lives elsewhere for you. What does that mean? All of your stuff can be argued with. And much of it can be proved wrong. And the few times that you're right, it will be in alignment with His inscrutable rather than your own. So let's chase that rather than our faults and mistakes and things. What's the inscrutable of the irrevocable. Now, can you imagine if I had made that the title for the sermon this morning? (laughs) No one would have come. Let's have his inscrutable be the final then. Get that twist now? Disobedience is never final and inscrutable results elsewhere. Then let's put disobedience elsewhere and let's make inscrutable final, his inscrutable. Right. Uh, Last one. Last one. Step into the mystery. Step into the mystery. Well, I want answers. and I want clarity. I want safety. I want understanding. It needs to make sense. I'm not sure I'm buying this whole God thing. I am. If you're not sure, I am. I'm not sure I'm buying it. No, you're not buying them. You're not buying it at all. That's why they call it faith. You try it out of faith, the belief in things hoped for, not had. The belief in things hoped for and the assurance of things unseen. You don't have it and you can't see it and you step into it anyways. But we say faith and belief and trust. Those become these. Important words. Sometimes you name our kids after him. Paul here says mystery. Yep, you you've done something. You were eh, not sure how this is gonna go. I think I'll do it anyways. Right. The first time you ate pizza, it looks weird. But you put it in your mouth anyways. Maybe you sniffed it a little. It's hot. I don't know what to do with this. All right? You're walked into a proposal. I don't know how this is gonna go. Truer words have never been spoken. How's a marriage or relationship? Or taking a job, and hey, we'll see how it goes. Hey, let's have kids. There's a mystery. It's still a mystery. I'm an empty nester. I'm supposed to have all the answers now. I have none. <laughs> Step into the min- ministry of your parcel, and you all know this word. What is it? Hardening. Step into the, par- the mystery of your partial hardening. Um, what if one of the gifts he gives you is your hardening? That's a great question. Let me follow it by a better statement. One of your giftings is your hardening. He does it on purpose, with purpose. From Him, through Him, and to Him. Wow, well, does that make sense? Later. And later, when it starts to make sense, you know you'll say? Hmm, yeah, that actually makes sense. I like how he did that. Now, hated it at the time, but now I like it. He's inscrutable. And I hope your response to that point will be, What's he calling me to next? If you've never accepted that he has gifted and called you, you could accept that today. Amen? If you've never accepted that Christ died for you, paid for your sins, you could accept that today. You could say it fancy. God, I step into the mystery of you today for the first time. It's probably how I'd say it. I'm a little goofy. You could just say, God, I accept you today. Take over. Sink in. Lord, thanks for what you show us, teach us, um, I think I'm supposed to say right now for how you harden us in the midst of how you gift us and call us and I pray that you would continue to show us, guide us, lead us protect may we give you much more than just the little that's off to the side May you get more from us than just our cast-offs. I pray for each person here, Lord, how they need, want, could interact with you specifically. Draw them in, Lord, and then show us as a church how to we pray this in your son's name. Amen. May you step into the mystery and enjoy it. Amen. Go with him.